Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome everyone to this podcast. Uh, my name is AJ Witts and I'm joined today by an industry panel to, to discuss what's current and important for ITAM teams in 2020 and beyond. Our panel today is uh, Sean Robinson from Licensed Dashboard. Matt Fisher from SHI, and Eric Christopher uh, from Zylo. Um, in that order, could you, uh, gents, thanks, thanks for attending. Could you introduce yourself first, Sean? Yeah, my name's uh, Sean Robinson. I'm one of the founders of Licensed Dashboard. Uh, I've been involved with software asset management now for around about 20 years, and very much still act as a senior software asset management consultant, helping organizations um, identify their challenges and find resolutions for um, helping them achieve their uh, software asset management objectives and goals. Great, thanks. And Matt? Indeed. Hi, everybody listening in. It's Matt Fisher here from SHI. I just worked it out on paper that I've got 16 years of ITAM and SAM experience, which is quite depressing or exciting, depending on how you look at it. Currently working with SHI, which is an $11 billion um, provider of IT solutions, technology solutions for organizations in North America, Europe, and some Far East countries as well. Great. Thanks, Matt. And Eric. Hi, Eric. Uh, hi, everyone. Great to uh, be, be with you today. My name is Eric Christopher. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Silo. Um, I've spent the last, I'd say, 16 years in, not in software asset management, but actually software as a service. Uh, so my, my company, Zylo, um, was built four years ago with the idea of focusing on the SaaS licensing model. And uh, we work with not only software asset managers, but also business departments, broader IT groups uh, to help manage uh, a, a category that's, that's bought you know, by everyone in the company. So happy to be here today to talk about the trends this year. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Uh, I think uh, that's uh, totting up. That's around about 50 years of experience with, with, with mine added on <laughs> top as well. Uh, I've only been doing this for about five years. So before that, I was a, I was a hands-on techie, um, not really caring about licensing very much, typical um, techie. Oh, I can just deploy that. I don't care. Um, and then I became an IT asset manager and ended up tidying up a lot of the mess that I actually made in the first place. So um, that was that was pretty good. So yeah, I've been doing software asset management in various ways for about five years. Um, and now rather than doing it, I talk about it, which is great. So, so this podcast is being recorded ahead of our Wisdom North America conference, which is coming up at the end of September. Uh, that's now a virtual conference. We had hoped to be in usually sunny Tampa um, just after spring break, um, back in March this year, but then things happened, um, and I'm sure we'll get onto those things uh, in this podcast. Um, our upcoming conference at the end of September uh, is free to attend. Uh, Licensed Dashboard, SHI, and Zylo are among the sponsors, um, so please come along and have a chat to them um, as as part of the uh, part of the conference plan. We've got we've got three days of content for you running on a mostly North American time zone. Um, uh, certainly if you're on the East Coast, uh, it still means quite an early morning for, for West Coast attendees. Um, but much of it will be available on demand as well afterwards. So 
uh, to sign up for the conference, um, I'm sure there'll be a link in the, on the SoundCloud page uh, hosting this uh, this uh, podcast. And uh, just follow the link and sign up. It's free to attend, and it's coming up the last week of September. So um, our first question really is, um, I'm going to put this out to the floor. What are the current motivations um, driving investment in IT asset management um, activities? What should IT, IT asset managers be focusing on sort of right now as we are in 2020? Um, Sean first. Yeah, well, uh, obviously the elephant in the room is very much still the pandemic, the, uh, the COVID-19 and the impact that that's caused. And uh, uh, one of the things that has really changed is the speed in which IT asset managers have, have had to adapt to that change. You know, they really needed to um, uh, respond at a million miles an hour to, to make sure that end users were, remain productive and were able to do their jobs. Mm. Uh, and many companies have now really sort of leveraged previous investments in the technology capabilities to minimize the the impact of the new working environment uh, to ensure that the business remains competitive. Um, unfortunately, that speed though is you know is really sort of significantly increased risks due to uh, changes to staff processes and controls that are quickly implemented to ensure that the company remains operational. And I think one of the biggest motivations and one of the biggest areas of focus at the moment for the IT, IT asset manager is the need to rapidly identify and understand what new risks have been introduced and subsequently create some sort of effective um, mitigation plan to ensure that the business is not financially exposed. Mm. And I think um, you probably everybody on here at the moment is um, experiencing some of the anxieties that uh, companies have now and uh, the you know the the consequences of what covid has done so i think a key area really is to ascertain that risk yeah great okay and matt do you have anything to add around i mean have you seen in shi being in such a such a big reseller and, and provider of services are you, have you seen sort of software investments changing this year um well, I think what we saw was unsurprisingly in March, April, May was a massive spike in new investment in kit. Now, kit can come in all shapes and sizes. And, and a lot of our customers were scrambling to get whatever kit they could as their employees were forced to sort of abandon the office and move to, to remote working. And I think that what that did was it changed the nature of the investments that were being made. Uh, technologically by the organization in a very short space of time you know um, there's recent research that came out from the fortune ceo survey that said 75 percent of ceos feel like covid accelerated their digital transformation programs rather than delayed them okay yeah. if you then correlate that against gartner's latest research that says that by 2024 within the u.s 55% of all employees will be working remotely. We see something of an irreversible trend or an mm -hmm. unreversible trend, depending on how you want to look at it. So I think right now, to get back to your, your initial point, to, to, to look at what Sean was saying, but perhaps with a slightly different lens on, we're now very much in the sort of twin realms of cost optimization, cost management, 
and also governance. And governance is, can be risk, a massive portion of governance is risk, of course, but governance can also just be making sure that everything is done correctly. In April, May, June, lots of things were not done correctly, purely out of necessity, right? Had to be done quick, had to be done dirty, didn't really matter who was paying for it, and to a certain extent, didn't really matter what it cost, because you just had to do it. Yep. As we're further down the line, suddenly cost becomes an issue and process and policy and governance becomes an issue. The last thing I'll leave you with before I hand over to to Eric is another key driver for IT asset management that should be in place. I, I worry that it's not, but it should be in place is what comes next. We've seen a massively changed software environment Mm-hmm. Yeah, massive swish, massive uh, swing towards uh, software as a service, which is where Eric's going to come in for sure. But it changes the nature of the revenue streams for a lot of software companies out there. Now, that can be a great thing, can also be a bad thing. And the knock-on effects to the customer base probably you know, need some investigation. Great, thanks. Yeah, um, talking about Kit there so much. Um, um, obviously, Eric, um, you, you're you're in the business of managing software and, and subscriptions. Um, did you see? Have you seen a big uptick in in just people just spending using SaaS to enable remote working and uh, the new way of working? Absolutely. Uh, we we looked at our data because it was unclear when COVID was 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 happening at the beginning whether or not companies were going to go right into cost containment mode just because of the fears of the economy and that sort of thing. Hmm. And I think what, what we learned was that the, the sprint, if you will, of, of getting everybody out into a remote workforce, you know, it was really, it was really all about how can you get people productive as, as Sean had mentioned, um, as well as, as figure out some way to, to give a good employee experience to get their jobs done. And so a lot of what happened really was, was an increase in software spend is happening. The digital transformation, as Matt mentioned, is it's exploding right now. So really it's all about buying more software right now to make the current employees you have more productive in the environment. I think that what the world's going to look like a year from now is, is something we're, we're trying to understand based on data. Um, but the year-over-year year, uh, spend increase that we had in our own customer data was a 26% increase in this year from from last year, and that was just in Q2. Mm. And uh, sorry, I guess there's more Q1 and Q2. And you think about now and the earnings reports of public companies that are coming out that are cloud. Uh, I can only imagine that it's even increased further uh, from there as well when we start looking at that data. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to come. Obviously, as you say, with with earnings reports um we had zoom i think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago obviously uh we're busy recording this on zoom uh they've just gone stratospheric um equally others perhaps have haven't haven't made made that same way and, and that in, in itself has a has an impact on on, on traditional it asset management um people are busy ship, shipping uh, sh- shifting away from maybe old on-prem solutions to 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 SaaS because of digital transformation so um I think the feeling I got from from those answers was um, it was, right, keep the lights on, get it working, don't worry too much about process, don't worry too much about budget, um, and just keep our, keep our company running. So now we're four, five, six months down the line. We still don't really know where things are going. 
um, both business-wise and also and also just generally in society. So are we now at the stage where companies will be sitting down and thinking about budgeting for next year um, and how they're going to fund all this additional software they've bought? And how do they go about doing that? So it's interesting you say we don't know where things are going. I think that's a very apt phrase for the current situation. But if you translate it into IT asset management terms, I'd say it's we don't know where things went, right? What kit has gone where? What software is being used? What new SaaS subscriptions and contracts have been entered into in the last few months? Because of the scramble to respond and that that deliberate loss of control or, or, or oversight perhaps is a better word than control, I actually think right now I, a lot of IT asset managers are, are trying to make sense of the nonsense. They're trying to make sense of the chaos so that they can provide their leadership, their business leadership with an accurate picture of where they are today. What assets do they have? What are they spending? Who's using what? Because to my sense, you can't do any of that budgeting that you've just talked about until you've got a kind of understanding of where you are today. And I think that's always been the case with asset management. It's always been a benchmarking exercise, even if you wanted that to be a dynamic benchmark. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'm taking from that is that, uh, probably a question, question for Eric, really, usage is important. I mean, we can probably tell that we're spending seven figures with Salesforce, but how do we know that it's actually we're actually making good use of that? How we how do we know we're getting value out of that out of that spend? We find that especially now when you've got so many the number of applications that are growing at, at, um, being so large, the number of subscriptions that employees are purchasing and things like that. On top of that, I think software asset managers are are tasked with looking at applications like you mentioned, like Salesforce, that are ones that you fully expect employees are going to maximize their usage out of and that sort of thing. Just in general, in our our own customer data, uh, we find that uh, nearly 40% of software licenses do go un, un, you, either unused or underutilized based on the feature sets that that uh, they're, they're consuming or they should be consuming. And, um, you know, so, so right now, I think it's an interesting dynamic to be in when you've got, you know, when you, when you say, where's everything, where, where did it go? You've got existing applications that you've already paid for now you've got employees that aren't finding those applications and buying new new ones so so the underutilization underutilization is only growing and compounding right now with adding more applications plus not using what you've already paid for yeah yeah uh, on, on the planning side one thing i was going to say is a cio that i talked to recently i love this analogy she gave and it was the idea that in, that we've been in a sprint like kind of the, the first quarter that uh, you know through june was a sprint just get everybody just access to things. Now we're in a bit of a marathon because we know that that this is going to be a long period of time that we're going to be in. So now we need to look at what we have and, and kind of plan for this being a new new normal for us. And then we'll eventually move to a triathlon where we're going to be in some kind of hybrid between you know this remote uh, world that we're in is also going back to the office. And so you know so that's planning. I think we got to kind of think of kind of what happened. What, what's the next 12 months going to look like the best that we can plan for and then be ready for this, this new kind of hybrid environment. Yeah. Great. Thanks. And, and Sean talking about the hybrid environment, I know that's um, the license dashboard is a uh, traditional um, ITAM tool as well as, as well as looking at cloud and so on. And um, I mean, I'm guessing there's a need um, to track all that kit that Matt was talking about 
that physical hardware that's appeared on people's desks. You've, um, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I mean, I absolutely uh, concur with what Matt was saying about, you know, a lot of, a lot of workers uh, may be forced to continue to work remotely. They won't go back to work. Um, I think businesses will recognize the, the pro, you know, the benefits of home working and things like that. And uh, it may change the perception of how people uh, continue to work. So, but I think, you know, one of the key areas that IT asset managers really need to do first is extend the boundaries of their existing inventory, uh, scanning all offsite devices, you know, new laptops, tablets, mobile phones, all of these now become major uh, assets that have been used and consumed to support this new change of working. And um, and once it's discovered, it's it's so important that we identify what new software has been introduced um, to the employer, uh, and also look at how the the delivery of that application has been changed. Uh, we have seen uh, since we've been doing um, reconciliation since the event that people have changed from more on-premise technologies to SaaS-based applications. Uh, but also things like the reliance on VPN software and the security and securing the connections and things like that. A lot of people have radically changed the way that they they open up the their networks and things like that. And yeah. and, and and in addition to that, you know, there may be an opportunity to to look at what the impact that's had on license agreements. We might be able to renegotiate those agreements, uh, terminate uh, agreements that no longer are relevant or transpose some of the um, the license rights to more appropriate additions or platforms. Um, in addition to that, I think it's so important that IT asset managers continue to manage and maintain their organization's compliance position. You know, software asset management has always been, always looked for a compelling event for, for producing an ELP. Well, I have to say this is probably one of the biggest compelling events that we that we have at the moment. It's it's highly likely that the vendors will become more inquisitive during this period of change. And therefore, the business must remain in a state of readiness, ready for any uh, probing of, uh, or questioning around their changes. Additionally, I think it's going to be even more likely that the, the key business stakeholders are going to have a, you know, they're going to need more information to make more informed decisions at this time. So having a complete and accurate IT asset data available will definitely make it easier to manage this change without the the IT department working in the dark and likely increasing more risk. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely critical now that those compliance positions are maintained, understood, and the information's made available quickly to, to mm. the business owners. Yeah, I, I think um, so something I've picked up from this is, of course, the shackles the shackles were off and we, 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 we spent money. Why did we spend money? Well, we needed, we needed to spend it because we were getting value from that spend. We were getting our employees working and, and keeping them safe. You know, these, these are two, two big things here, really. Um, you know, we're not forcing them to come into the office and we're not forcing them to come back to the office. And so it, those assets that we've deployed to them are generating value for the company. So I wonder if we, get, if we can get to the phase where we stop, stop worrying about how much it costs and start thinking about how much value does it bring to mm-hmm. the organization. Um, Matt, maybe for, to come on that, that point. Yeah, I think 
if you're going to measure value, then back to the same point that you made to Eric, you've got to know what your utilization looks like. You've got to know what applications, databases, processes, et cetera, et cetera, are being accessed by employees. And I think that um, one of the, the things to, to sort of marry up to what Sean was saying was that you've got to know how they're doing it. So not only that they are accessing certain kinds of data or applications, but how. Because I think this notion that your laptop or your desktop was your primary device and anything else was a nice to have, that's out the window now. You know, um, to, to sort of paraphrase a conversation between one of our sales execs and a massive organization that we provide um, solutions to in New York, when they suddenly had to send 10,000 plus employees home and they were largely an office-based organization, they were asking us, for, you know, can we get them kit? We're going, yeah, do you want laptops? Do you want desktops? Do you want uh, tablets? Do you want surfaces? The answer was yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll take anything and everything, which is meant that now means that if you've got an IT asset management or a software asset management program that is predicated on just scanning desktops and laptops, you're probably missing a massive chunk of the estate. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing is that the on-prem systems that are largely in place either already are not fit for purpose or very soon won't be fit for purpose as organizations are having to adapt not only to their own workforce not being in the office, but their customers changing their buying behaviors as well. So I think that is going to force even more things into the cloud, in which case suddenly IT asset management has to get much he more heavily involved in the cloud, not only from a SaaS point of view, but from an IaaS and a PaaS point of view as well. And, and again, you know, from the 16 years odd that I've had in the, the industry, you find certain pockets within the ITAM community that are very reluctant to go beyond the on-prem estate, right? Because it's what they know, it's what they want to deal with. Mm. I don't think we've got any choice anymore. I think we have to look at the whole estate holistically. Yeah, and, and I wonder what, what changes that means for, for a team. I mean, I have a few ideas around this. Um, um, Eric, one thing I, I, I know from, from, from writing about SaaS is just the sheer volume of activity that's required in terms of renewals, onboarding and offboarding and so on. Can, can you speak to to that in, in the context of um, IT asset management. Absolutely. And uh, Matt, you know, just to kind of build on your point about the visibility issue with, within seeing what's out in an environment prior to COVID as well, and, and not just with software asset managers, but just, you know, whether you look at IT or whether you look at procurement, at just generally the visibility into software has just, is, 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 uh, usually less than half. I think you know Gartner uses the statistic that IT only sees about forty percent of of, uh, of software spend, um, and we validate that as well. So that's just something that that's real. And software as a service, just in general by nature, every employee is a buyer now, and so it's not just marketing departments or HR. It's it's an engineer, it's a sales rep that's looking to to buy. You know, to, to needs a tool to do their jobs to be more productive and they can't find it from inside the organization so that this problem continues uh, to be created. Um, so I think you know, the, when you've got organizations that have six, 600, 700 subscriptions across a business, you can see where there's lots of renewals happening that shouldn't be and that sort of thing. So um, where, where we've seen software asset management being different than, than SaaS, um, there's a lot of similarities uh, as well, but 
you know, instead of the audit, now it's the renewal, right? So the good news is you don't have as many audits, um, but now you've got a lot of renewals where you don't have the data that you need. For example, not having utilization information at the point of a renewal makes it makes it difficult for you to, to buy what you should you should get. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things uh, there's a feeling that oh yes, audits are going away perhaps a little bit, and so that that fear sort of. factor of audits goes away a little bit. But then you've got you've got different different fear factors with SaaS because I would imagine. I mean, one of the things I immediately thought of with with removing SaaS subscriptions, well, what happens to their data? Um, you know, can we switch that subscription off for that employee that's left? What's the impact of doing that? Do, no, does their Dropbox disappear, for example? What what files are we gonna, are, are we going to lose and so on? So um, there's just different stuff to manage. I think um, a general question here: Is it IT asset management or enterprise SaaS management's job to have a really tight control over this to go off to departments and say, no, you can't buy software. We must buy it for you. What, what do you see as the best approach to getting some, as Matt said earlier, some governance around uh, what is currently a bit chaotic and a bit like any, it's, it's a bit of a free for anyone, anyone can go and buy software to what level of governance do you, do you need um, around this? Uh, define need, right? You know, need is different to each organization. Um, well, for an opinion of one, I, I feel like exercising or trying to exercise control is always difficult for IT asset managers, right? You know, it's, you're on a hiding to nothing, to use a horrible English phrase. But um, I think what you can do is you can make people's lives easier, more efficient, better. I would be really surprised, and maybe Eric has data that can back this up, but I'd be really surprised if there are not a lot of organizations out there that now are running duplicate um, contracts with the same providers. You know, marketing took out a contract with this same provider that sales did, that HR did, that development did, because they were all scrambling to, uh, to react. One of the organizations I worked with in, a, in the recent years had four different collaboration platforms uh, rolled out at the same time so the, i think there's a massive amount of duplication therefore there is a massive amount of expenditure wasted um, economies of scales missed if you can actually phrase things in that sort of language then business leaders understand that and understand the, ben the benefits of a more coordinated approach However, a coordinated approach doesn't, doesn't mean we're going to come up with a process and you are going to adhere to that process. Because if that process doesn't suit those business leaders, they're damn well not going to adhere to it, right? Because they're business leaders and they just want to get stuff done. So I think it's actually incumbent on IT asset managers who want to exercise control to think about it as in what's in it for their customer and how do you provide things in a, in a way that makes life easier. And we're beginning to see that with, with enterprise app stores, for example. I think they are only the, the, you know, the, the, the tip of the spear, if you like, in terms of how um, effective and mature they are. But I think that's the sort of direction of travel. Procurement and IT can work together to make things easier for business people to get hold of what they need. Yeah, so it's about not getting in the way. It's actually, once again, it's, it's, it's giving value, isn't it? It's, it's not having these are the rules. It's kind of 
Um, I, I, I suppose a, a general question. I mean, to what extent do we see that um, departments run their own own IT and have their own IT budgets now? Is that an increasing trend? It's something we always say departments buy their own IT. Is that, is that the reality? I'm not sure we even see IT budgets in some cases. I think it's just operational expenditure. Right. Um, I'm not sure how many. I, I, so as, as, a, as a previous marketeer running a marketing organization of 35 people, apart from the actual hardware, when we needed software, that was never considered a technology budget. That was just what we needed to get a job done, and it went into my operational expenditure. Right. Yeah. Sean. Yeah, I think um, uh, as as we've noticed more uh, agreements, license agreements now globalizing. So I think um, businesses are forced to create a global budget uh, for for all software. Um, and, you know, funny enough, within our technology, a big focus years and years ago was about how we um, pat- repatriate license entitlement back to um departments because they've become it become so centralized that they were trying to cross charge um back to 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 individual departments and things like that but the agreements have made that really difficult to do so i think i think at the moment you know the 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 vendors have created a more global sort of um management of the of budgets but uh, just going back to your point about the responsibility now of the it asset manager and i think that you know we're seeing lots of uh, ceos cfos all now looking at the it asset manager to sort of try to reinforce compliance uh, with corporate security policies and all the regulatory requirements that they, they they require i think up to now it's always been seen as a tick in the box that they've got those processes in place and uh, they've met their contract, you know, the, the regulatory requirements. But now I think, you know, I, it was funny when I was involved in defining the ISO standard, I don't remember sitting there and working out what happens if a pandemic occurs, you know, and I think what, what IT asset managers need to do is go back to the drawing board with regards to their, uh, their policies and procedures and start looking at uh, introducing these sorts of, uh, instances uh, and how we should react to them and I think we really need to um, review that situation very quickly. I, I think a trend that I see is it's increasingly about the user and not about the device and because it's about a human there's a whole bunch of human factors that come in as well because um, if you take the tools away from people that they're really happy using you, you end up with a happy, un, unhappy employees. I mean, I, I noticed the point of if you uh, recruit for a really great, well-skilled um, app developer, they'll say, this is my stack. This is what I use. And I won't work for you if you don't use what no, this particular piece of software. So I guess that comes into general employees as well. People are happy using certain things. I can remember... Uh, running an email system, I used to run. A, I used to be a Lotus Notes administrator. Lotus Notes is one of the most hated pieces of software ever created. Uh, there are whole websites devoted to it, and of course, it was a corporate standard, and the users had no say. Well, they did because they ended up using webmail um, and and other solutions. And then Salesforce came along, and we started having that shadow IT coming in because they weren't happy with the tools that IT were providing. It feels to me that once you have users there uh, and people, you it's about meeting their needs first and foremost and, and having that efficient experience. Um, Eric, I know 
um, one of the areas that we've that we have seen that massively this year will have been, I would imagine, considerable onboarding and offboarding of employees. Um, as the pandemic hit, people being placed on furlough, people being let go, and maybe recruitment starting up again. Is there an impact there for IT asset managers? There's a big impact when you think about, we, we've used SaaS applications. We talk about them a lot with our customers at Zylo about how they're, they're keys to the employees doing their jobs. It's almost an extension of the employee now. And we, we're finding that the average company that's above 1,000 employees is adding roughly 10 subscriptions of new software per month. So if you think about an environment like that, like if you were, if we use that, that comparable of, uh, of an employee, if you were onboarding 10 new employees a month, you would have things like a job description and onboarding process and, um, and, and make that employee successful. And so the onboarding and offboarding of applications, the, the notorious example is always someone leaves your company and you lose data, which is very much a problem. But even within an organization, when people are, coming onto an organization, knowing what applications they should even have for their job, where can they find them and those sorts of things. Um, you know, and, and now with, with COVID, it's just making that problem and challenge even more. So I, I think the, the, the software asset manager role is sort of shifting from not just cost containment um, and, and compliance, which are all important, but also employee effectiveness and making them successful is now kind of a new measure of success. Um, you know, and, and using that app store example, um, yeah, it's going to really all about how do you give the tools out, make them discoverable by employees and creating an environment that is kind of a consumer uh, type grade experience to find software. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it, it speaks to me right now because we've just recruited two, uh, 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 two new uh, team members and we haven't met them yet. We haven't met them in person yet. We've shipped them a laptop. We've given them some software. We've, we've, we've given them some, some, oh, go and sign up for an account here. Uh, here's the corporate logon. Um, we haven't seen them yet. We're not going to, they've been working for us for a couple of weeks. We're not going to see them until next week in person. And that we're a small company. Um, but that's the case for, that's the case for big companies too. It must be the case that I, are you in that situation where you've recruited people, but you haven't actually physically seen them? Well, so I joined SHI on the 1st of April. I have not met physically any of my colleagues yet because most of my colleagues are in New Jersey and Austin and funnily enough I'm not flying across the Atlantic right now but even our Milton Keynes office is you know mostly remote working right now so um, yeah I'm in that situation and I think you've just kind of lodged onto one of the points that I was going to make which is that there's a there's a blurring of the lines happening right what was asset management before or service management or life cycle management you know what perhaps were siloed activities historically I don't think they can afford to be siloed activities going forward I think yeah stuff like life cycle management and and using technologies like over the air provisioning being able to um, use a partner, uh, you know, like SHI or, or another one out there, to order the kit that your employees need to have it shipped directly to their homes, and then from the moment they hit the power button, it starts to pre-populate with all the software, the accounts, the subscriptions that they need to be productive, and then to be able to do that and again and again because. We're going to stay remote in a, in a large number of instances. We're not going to go back to the office to swap out our kit. 
Um, I think this is a, a new way of working in asset management. IT asset management has an integral role to play across that. It almost becomes, rather than being a vertical silo, it becomes a horizontal cross, um, uh, cross-discipline um, department that, that can add value to a lot of different functions out there. Yeah. Um, Sean, anything to add on, on, on that? I mean, I, I think one of the things that shocked me a little is when we did go into lockdown, there, quite a lot of asset managers and software asset managers were furloughed as well, which uh, surprised me because obviously one of the biggest um, responsibilities that they have is to, to really control and manage those uh, processes and procedures. And to actually, in a time of significant change, I was surprised that many were... Um, uh, you know, many organisations uh, furloughed those individuals out and, and weren't able to act upon uh, the changes effectively. So, um, but yeah, and again, I think, uh, like you say, the, you know, Teams and uh, Zoom and many of the conferencing facilities that we use now, people have sort of just become so in tune in using and working with this now. I think it's just becoming the norm. Um, you know, I, I was surprised that, you know, before I, uh, before all of this happened, that I, I never used a video conferencing facility on here. I just used um, the, the, the audio. Mm. But now we're using this um, as if we are sitting in our offices, are sitting in our, um, uh, with our colleagues. And, uh, and I found that, uh, you know, I'm still as, as productive as I have before. So, yeah, there's going to be big changes in the way that, um, we start to work, and I think, and how we integrate with our colleagues and new and new employees. Which and with change comes opportunity. Um, you know, I think that's uh, and, and maybe just to sort of sort of come to a close slightly. Um, opportunity that's often a tactical response. What are the what are like one or two things that an IT asset manager should be doing right now in September twenty twenty to make a difference make an impact maybe with a different stakeholder maybe in a an area that's not their current remit what what are one or two things that they could do uh right now to make to make a difference um eric first maybe going back to that point of focusing on where things went over the last you know few months or maybe a year i think focusing on analyzing your environment using every tool um and you know asset at your disposal to get to to figure that out because i think the lack of visibility we all know is there. I think right now it's gotten really arguably much worse over the last few months. And I think beginning that process now is really important. So you can really put planning, you know, for, for, for next year and beyond and start thinking about what, what to start uh, recommending your organization does and driving change. Great. Thanks. Matt. Um, I think it probably is a good time to, to, get the crystal ball out and think about what the organization is going to need from you rather than wait to sort of receive your marching orders from above and be told to do something. Think about how asset management can add value and what the likely requirements are like are going to be. You know, you, you'd probably have a reasonable view of your, what your organization is trying to achieve, what sort of digital transformation it might be considering or already embarked on. And because you know IT asset management, you know how to, to apply it to that scenario. Whereas I think 
a lot of people outside asset management only bring it in as a, as a sort of a cleanup operation after the fact. So I would say get ahead of the curve and start thinking about how you can present the value of asset management before somebody else comes and asks you for it. Yeah. And Sean? I think, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think uh, to support that, I think you should be in a, in a state of readiness. You must know exactly what your position is. And, you know, it's so important that um, the asset manager then uses that data to influence the decisions going forward. You know, uh, prior to um, the lockdown, I saw um, a big significant change in the, in, in, in the role of the asset manager and in many respects had been promoted to much more of a, um, an, an influencer in how the business um, um, expedites its um, technical technology excellence and uh, is able to support all of the stakeholders in the business. So I really think getting that data in good shape and in a state of readiness to be used is critical. And, and then having those stakeholder skills to actually go and sell that, market that internally, uh, yes. have have that authority to be able to say, yeah, this is this is this is the position. This is where we're at. And you, you, so you've just kind of hit on a really important topic, which is being an IT asset manager already, let alone in the future. But let's look into the future. It's not about the technology, stupid. It's about your ability to interface with the other stakeholders and to provide the information, which is the value that they need to do to do their jobs really effectively. Um, anyone listening really could go and check out Cialdini's Six Principles of Influence. It's actually a sales manual, but the Six Principles of Influence tell you how to interact with stakeholders, how to get buy-in from those stakeholders, and how to present your value to them. Because when you are seen by your stakeholders as valuable, your life gets so much easier. It might get a hell of a lot busier, but it gets a lot easier. Great. Yeah, I'll um, pop a link to that in the, in, in the show notes for this one. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, Eric, you, I, I know when you started Zylo, you weren't necessarily looking to the CIO, were you? You were, you were looking at stakeholders across the business as, as, your, as your key customers and, and the key consumers of the, of the insights you, you were providing. Absolutely. The funny, funny story was we're, we're a venture back backed company, you know, and we were pitching the idea just to get an initial investment. The question was always, who's the buyer of this thing or this idea? And, and it's, we found that, you know, that SAS is really owned by everybody in the organization from IT to marketing to sales. Um, that question earlier about, you know, do we see marketing uh, or other departments, non IT owning, owning their own environments? It, it, the, the stack that's managed by marketing and sales ops sometimes is larger than IT. Uh, and so, um, so SaaS by nature is owned by the employee. I think that's kind of a good way to think about it, right? It's, it's, they're, they're driving the decisions, they're driving what tools need to be used and, you know, IT and leadership need to be a steward of that direction and, you know, maintain governance and compliance, but, but be able to manage that, that, that ownership down to the employee level. Great, thank you. I th yeah, I think just to sort of really summarise um, this, there is this kind of increasing, accelerating cadence um, going on at the moment, and um, necessity was the mother of mother of invention back in back in the spring, um, and it's actually uh, maybe it feels to me that perhaps IT organisations 
have suddenly realized they've woken up and they can actually do things quickly. Um, um, my former employee, I know they stood up a, a contact center of 300 employees over a weekend. The previous project they did to do that, to add 100, took 18 months. Um, and so suddenly IT is like, oh, actually, yes, we can do this. If we've got the backing, if we've got the buy-in from th that necessity of we must do this to keep running. Um, and I think that means as well for an IT asset manager or an enterprise SaaS manager or whatever your role is, you need to be able to move at that same speed. Um, and so there's a great blend of tactical and strategic. But it, what it comes down to that it is data-driven and then being able to uh, use that data to help your decision makers. I think one thing that's exciting right now for you know this industry and then the broader IT is just what tools are available to you know really automate a lot of these tasks. Um, one of the fastest growing areas that we see that IT departments are buying are really around machine learning technologies yep. and, um, and things like automated bots. So now things, things that have historically been burdened for IT or being able to be automated, now the ability for whether you're a software asset manager or IT operations to actually do, do something strategic with that information is, is, um, is greater than ever. So that's exciting I think, for where we are. Yeah, uh, yeah having, having done the job, it's very, very easy to get stuck in the details, stuck in the weeds, mm -hmm. um, and having some automation around that. Um, Really, really, really helps because it, it immediately gives you more bandwidth to be able to do that strategic thing and, and talk to senior stakeholders. So um, thank you, uh, everyone, for, for this. It's been a really great conversation. Uh, thank you for all your insights and expertise that you've shared. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you virtually, um, not in Florida. We'll see you virtually online for Wisdom North America uh, at the end of this month. Um, thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.